Hey, Mountain. It's good to see everybody. Glad you're here. Glad you're joining us. If you're a guest, thanks for coming. Uh, a special hello to our friends at Bel Air Campus, Edgewood Campus, uh, wherever, wherever you are. We're glad you're with us. Um, beautiful weekend, beautiful weather. You like it? A lot better. Uh, made all the more beautiful by the fact that uh, we had hundreds of people serving in our SurveFest uh, deal all over the county and dozens of locations. You'll see pictures and hear stories about that coming, but what a great way to, to just get out and be living proof of a loving God. Way to go, everybody, for serving. Way to go. Um, hey, uh, there, people typically tilt one direction or the other when it comes to rules. There are some people, are, they just tend to be kind of rule keepers, and other people tend to be kind of rule breakers. Am I right? How many of you, just raise your hand, please, if you are typically a rule keeper? Yeah. Uh-huh. A lot of us, like, you're like, how high would you like me to raise that? Is this okay? This okay? I won't ask the rule breakers to raise your hand because you probably wouldn't do it anyway. So, <laughs> my son sent me a text the other day and said, if I had to describe myself in one word, it would be bad at following directions. <laughs> He's a knucklehead. Um, Rules create lines. Rules are, are the lines that sort of so say, this is, this is the way it is, and you don't go over that line. And uh, some of us are rule followers. Rule followers are the people who, when you play a game, they want to read all of the directions on the box first. And, and they're like, and other people are like, no, it doesn't matter. Just start dealing the cards. We'll figure it out. You know, or just kind of, you know, five cards, seven cards, doesn't matter. They're like, no, it's on the box. Read the box. Stop. Wait, everybody. You go to the MVA, and there's a line. And it says, wait behind the line. And the rule followers are like, and other people are like, I'm not going to step up. I'm going to step over the line if I want to step, step over that line. Right? Rule followers go to the airport. They're worried every time they fly that they're going to, they're going to have some little bottle of water in their bag they didn't know about. And they're going to get flagged and then put on the news and then sent home because they have a water bottle in their backpack. But rule breakers, they're like bringing two-liter bottles. They don't care. Just pull out whatever you want. We don't care, you know. So I had a crisis one time. I was uh, in college, I think. Uh, I was going home late at night, like 1 a.m., driving home, my little small town in Minnesota. And um, I came to a stoplight, and it was red, and I was sitting there like two minutes, dead of night, not a soul around. And I noticed that all four lights were red in all four directions. And I'm just sitting there, two minutes, two and a half minutes. What would you do? Some of you would be like, I would wait all night till morning, and maybe in the morning a policeman would come and fix the light. Others of you would be like, well, I could turn right. Even though I live over there, I would go right and go around the block and find it. You know what I did? I went through this stupid light because nobody was there, and there was before cameras, and sometimes breaking rules seemed like the right thing to do, seemed like more important thing to do or more fun. I got some pictures for you. Let me show you some pictures of rule breakers. I like this guy, for example. Take a look at this guy. Looks, look close. You see, <laughs> see, I think that's so funny. You see the little diagram with the line through it? With a guy going like that and he's going like that? That is funny, you people. Why don't you get that? <laughs> All right, take a look at this one. This little pup has figured out how to change the rules. <laughs> Instead of no dogs allowed, it's dogs allowed, yeah. How about these guys? Take a look at the sign. No shoulder riding. They're like, you mean like this? Is this what's not allowed? Uh, I love this picture here. Photography prohibited by federal law. Let's, tap a, let's snap a picture of that. Here's another sign that isn't being obeyed very well. 
And finally, uh, this little girl, I love this girl, no dogs, no bikes, no swimming. She's got her suitor bike and her pup and she's going to, she's got a decision to make right now, doesn't she? You know, and the truth is all of us have decisions to make all the time when it comes to some of the lines and rules around us and the hardest kind, the hardest decisions are not just lines and rules that have to do with signs at the beach or at the MVA, a literal line. They're the lines sometimes in the interior part of our lives. Lines that come from fear. Li fear creates lines beyond which we're afraid to move. We get into life in places where we get into comfortable places. We call it the comfort zone. And we don't like to move past that. We don't like to step over that line and get out where we have something at risk. We have interior fears. We have societal expectations. We have what will people think. We have all kinds of lines and boundaries that box us in and keep us in a nice, safe, tight little place. But sometimes you're called to love, to give love, to show love, to do love in such a way that would require you to step past one of those lines of fear, to step out of your comfort zone, to break a rule that you have in your head about what can and shouldn't be done. We've been talking about love in recent weeks and uh, trying to help get it kind of straight and fresh in our minds because a lot of times we get mixed up about what love really is. Love really isn't passive, it's active, it does stuff. You remember the artist Rodin who made that sculpture called The Thinker? Act sophisticated, nod your head like you know what I'm talking about. Here's a picture of it, The Thinker. He's sitting there deep in thought, contemplating. And there's a place for that in Christian faith. We need deep thought. But sometimes, love does. I love what this cartoonist did with that same thing. Take a look at this picture here. There's The Thinker still sitting there. Where's the doer? I don't know, he's out doing stuff. And sometimes that's what love is, enough thinking about it. It's not just sort of, sort of deciding what I would do if I ever got around to it. Love does stuff. It's active. It reaches. It risks. It sees lines of fear and it steps past them. It sees comfort zones and cozy couches that we want to stay in for the rest of our lives. But if we do, we'll be the most boring, lifeless individuals. And by the way, you cannot follow Jesus if you don't step across lines of fear. You can't do it. So we're talking about love does. Are you ready? Are you willing to get out of your comfort zone, step across a line of fear, some rule that you have in your head that I can't do that, I would never do that, in order to show love if that's what love required, if that's what God was leading you to do? Because love, my friend, is, is fearless. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. Um, some lines are there for good reasons and sometimes love requires us to stay behind certain lines. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Uh, there are lots of lines that are for our good and they honor God and they help other people. I mean, I think of the, this week I had, this, I had a decision to make. There's a kind of line that the scriptures give us about losing your cool. When you just kind of go off and uh, let your anger just vent in all directions and you step over that line, it's a, there's a line that says stay behind that. Don't, don't go over that line. You're going to end up regretting it and hurting someone. But when you step over, you always do end up regretting it and hurting someone. That's a good line to stay behind. There's a kindness line, isn't there, right? To step beyond the line that's kind into the realm of unkindness is 
is going to end up being something that doesn't help you or honor God or help anyone else. When you want to get revenge at someone, there's a vengeance line. We're better off not crossing that line. Leave getting even to the Lord. Stay behind it. There are sexual boundaries that Scripture gives us, for example. If I want to honor my wife and stay faithful to my mate, there are boundaries that will be helpful for me to honor God. I just want to help them and everyone else. So uh, There are all kinds of good lines that are the best for us to rein in our selfishness and some of our sin. I get that. But I'm here to tell you what I bet you already know. And that is that sometimes there are some lines that need to be crossed. Sometimes you've got to take your dog and your bike to the beach if you want to follow Jesus and you want to love in ways that matter most. Like, like, a, like a kid on the playground, like when I was in sixth grade, I weighed about eight pounds. And, you know, as I was used to, there's all these big kids. And he's some big guy come up to you and he'd be like, draw a line in the sand. He's it's like, draw a line right there. And he's like, I dare you to step across that line. And he's standing there. So that little kid's sitting there looking at that line, looking at that guy, looking at that line. What are you going to do? What are you going to do in that moment? You're looking at the line. You're looking at that guy. What are you going to do? And sometimes what love does is it just like a boss steps across that line and sometimes when that happens the bully goes running because perfect love casts out fear are you crossing any lines like that there was a man who ran a restaurant in the deep south many years ago in this country in the 50s it was a segregated America it was an ugly thing but everyone said it was the way it was he had a restaurant and the way the rules worked is black folk had to come around the alley in the back and come in the back entrance. And they ate on wooden stools in the back. They'd take their money, but there was a line in the middle of the store, a physical line drawn in the store. No one from the back was supposed to go to the front. No one from the front was supposed to go in the back. And he had uh, a growing conviction from God as a Christian man about that. He grew to hate that line. He grew to recognize it might be a rule that was meant to be broken. He began to wrestle with what love would do. And he was afraid of crossing that line because of the business he would lose and the reputation he would risk. There are lines that need to be stepped across to do what love does. Am I right? And we all get to decide whether they're going to live behind those lines, safely tucked away in a zone of comfort and safety, or whether we're going to have an adventurous faith that is alive and following Jesus wherever he's pushing, nudging, leading. But you can't follow Jesus without stepping across the line. And the fears are real. What if I get rejected? What will the people say? What will I think? Or this is not comfortable. Or I don't know what enough about this. I don't know how to do this. That person's different than me. Some rules like that need to be broken. Now, Jesus was, was a guy who actually was a rule breaker. I don't know if you're accustomed to thinking about him that way. But let me take you through a few things in the Bible that will help you see how much Jesus, uh, on occasion, just stepped up and stepped across lines so that you and I can be thinking in a real serious way about maybe areas in your life where God might be pushing you out of your comfort zone to step across a line of fear, be a rule breaker in the name of love. So, 
Open your Bible if you've got one or on your phone or wherever you keep your app or we'll put them on the screen so you can follow along if you don't have that. And uh, we'll look at, start with Luke chapter 13. This is one of the Gospels telling the story about Jesus here. Picking up in verse 10, it says this. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years. You can just see her doubled over in pain and unable to stand up straight. A picture of bondage and suffering here with this woman. And Jesus instinctively knows what is the most loving thing to do here. Now there's a problem and that is that it's the Sabbath and you're not supposed to do work on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to walk a certain distance. There were strict rules about the Sabbath. There were lines all through. And this is a big deal. It's not like a little minor thing. This Keeping the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments for the Jews. And they're in a synagogue for crying out loud. So that's a good place to keep it. Like if you're, if you're going to cuss, don't do it around the preacher at least. If you're going to break one of the Ten Commandments, can you please not do it in the synagogue? Now we're going to see Jesus looking at that line of rules of law about, about Sabbath. And then he's looking at that woman. He's looking at the line. He's looking at that woman. And sometimes when you look at the line, you look at love, you choose love. Verse 12, when Jesus saw her, he called her over and he said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. And then he touched her. And instantly she could stand straight. And how she praised God. I would say so. I would think. And you might be interested to know that in the original language in the New Testament, that phrase there that says he healed her of her sickness literally means he untied her. He set her free. He loosed her. He unbound this woman. And so she is celebrating and praising news. I mean, this is great news, right? 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 Wrong. Wrong. Look at verse 14. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant. That means he was ticked off. That Jesus had healed her because it was, what? The Sabbath day. And there are lines. There are rules about the Sabbath day. Here's what he said. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on those days to be healed, not on the Sabbath. Can Can you believe this, Joker? I mean, this is as hilarious as it is pathetic. I know this woman had a, a massive life change. She's been bent over for 18 years. I know it's an amazing miracle, and our town has never seen anything like it, but can we please try to not do it on the Sabbath? It's like, are you serious right now? Verse 15, Jesus, the Lord replied, you hypocrites, each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water? Well, that broke the law. This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released even on the Sabbath? You untie your animal, I untie a woman, and you're ticked off at me? Sometimes you've got to step across a line. That's what love does. Even if everyone else doesn't get it. You doing any of that? Matthew chapter 8. Flip back. Another one of the stories about Jesus. Start in verse 2. Suddenly, a man with leprosy, uh oh, approached him, that's Jesus, and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me. 
and make me clean. Now, you know the rules about leprosy, right? Leprosy is bad stuff. Worse than the Zika virus, you just don't go near it. And the Old Testament's got laws and rules about leprosy. If you're unclean, you don't touch that. You don't touch lepros, lepers. Okay, you stay away from them because then you'll become unclean. And not just sort of physically, but spiritually, there was like a, it was called, it was considered ceremonially, ritually, spiritually unclean. It's bad stuff. There's a line in the sand right here. You don't go over it. You don't touch those lepers. Jesus looked at that line and looked at that man. Looked at that line, looked at that man. And look, you know what he did. Verse 3, Jesus reached out and what? He touched him. It's the one thing you weren't supposed to do. Well, I'm willing, he said. Be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Verse 4, then Jesus said to him, don't, don't go blabbing about this yet. That's my translation. Instead, you go right to the priest and you let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law for Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy, blah, 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 blah. In other words, Jesus isn't just a willy-nilly rule breaker because he thinks it's fun and he's kind of a rebel. No, no, no. Here he's instructing the man to follow to the letter of the law everything else you're supposed to do if you ever got cleansed. If you read Leviticus 14, go read it for yourself. There's a whole bunch of rules about what you do if you get cleansed from leprosy and you do exactly what Jesus said. Jesus wasn't a, a casual flippant rule breaker for the sake of breaking rules because he was a young punk no but he looked at the law and he looked at the, the line of law and he looked at love and sometimes he had to step across that law or that line in order to love and there are times when you might have to as well you know what else the law said <clears throat> the law said Tax collectors are sinners. Tax collectors represented the Roman government. The Roman government was oppressing the Jewish people. They had their boot on their neck and they were killing them. And then they were gouging with taxes. And so the tax collectors were representatives of the Roman government and they were killing them. They were lining their own pockets and driving Bentleys because, and the people meanwhile were just starving to death. Yeah, hey, so in the Bible, the word tax collector in the New Testament literally is synonymous with sinner. That's a law. That's a rule. They're sinners. Don't go near them. Number two, um, the other law or the other rule in, in those days was, was um, be careful who you eat with. Table fellowship in the ancient culture was a, was a gesture of hospitality where you were opening yourself. You were making yourself vulnerable and welcoming into your sphere other people. And so you had to be very careful about who you did that with. Because they considered if you did that with a sinner, then that would rub off on you and you'd be sinner. So don't have table fellowship with people like that. So those are the two rules. Tax collectors are sinners, and be careful who you eat with. Well, Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho, and he made his way through the town. And there was a man there named Zacchaeus. So far, so good. He was the chief tax collector. Can you hear the music change? Dun, 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 dun. Not only is this guy a sinner, he's like a really bad sinner. And he had become very rich. Well, of course, he's cheating everybody. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short. Uh, now, this is not the sin problem. This is nothing wrong with being short. Okay? Just be clear about that. Some of my best friends are short. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Verse 5. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Now, Zacchaeus, I'm just guessing, had been called a few names. But Jesus calls him by his name 
Zacchaeus, he said. Quickly, come on down. I must be a what? Guest in your home. Oh, no, he didn't. Oh, yes, he did. Verse 6. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and he took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. This is amazing, right? Jesus is now sharing a meal with this guy. This is good, right? 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 Wrong. Wrong. Verse 7. The people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Look at that. And sometimes that's what love does. Sometimes that's exactly what love does. The people that other people call names, you call by name. People that everybody says stay away from, you, you sit down and eat with. Verse 8. Look what happened to Zacchaeus. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. If I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. When people say they're changed and having a religious experience, I just say that's very interesting. When they start giving money, then I believe them. This guy's a changed man. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. This guy is going to heaven. This guy is as much in the faith. This guy is as close to God as anyone is. For the son of man, Jesus said about himself, came to seek and to save those who are lost. I came to step across lines. There was a line across the threshold of a tax collector's house. You were not to go in. Jesus looked at that line, looked at Zacchaeus, and you know what he did. And we're called to do the same thing. And some people will be more upset. Here's a, here's a guy whose life has changed. He's given money back to the poor. He's, he's going he's he's to be in heaven because of this encounter. And some people are more upset that Jesus is sitting down in his kitchen. But sometimes you've got to step across a line because that's what love does. Are you stepping out of what's comfortable? Are you stepping across any lines that other... The only reason you're not loving someone or some way is because you're afraid. Are you safely tucked up in your comfort zone? Sometimes our families create little zones with lines all around. Oh, we don't talk to people like that. Know how those people are. And so we stay living within the confines of that box. Well, she crossed you. That's a line. Mm, never go across that line toward that person again. And you, you live that way and you start finding yourself in a really small little ugly box. But love, you know what love does? It steps across lines when God nudges you and encourages you to do the things that Jesus would have you do. Because as 2 Timothy 1 says, God didn't give us a spirit, a spirit of fear and timidity. Here, I'm going to give you my, my spirit so you can be all more afraid. No, no, no. I give you my spirit so you can have a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. Notice that fear and love are on opposite sides of that equation. As 1 John 4 says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. It casts it out. And I would say... Perfect love actually casts us out. It drives us out past our fears as we step over the line. I encourage you to be thinking about comfort zones that you're in, cozy couch of safety that you sit in, and ask yourself if you think Jesus might ever want you to get up off that cozy couch and serve and love 
in a some humble little small way, maybe a, a big way, I don't know. But you'll be better off and so will the kingdom of God if you do it. You know, Mike Gallagher, one of our mountain guys, he did, it, uh, he did something like this. Um, he was sitting in a small group breakfast meeting earlier this year, and Rob Arsenault, one of our guys, started saying, hey, we're going to start, we need to start a ministry in the detention center here in Hartford County. We want to get over to those guys and spend time, hang out with them, help them while they're there. And um, he laid it out, who, who would like to do that? And Mike found himself seeing a line right in front of him of fear and challenge. But he stepped across it and raised his hand. And he and five other guys have moved into this ministry. And he said, immediately, as soon as we signed up for this thing, this ministry in the detention center, I saw all these lines. I, saw, I was afraid. I was afraid for my own safety. Um, my biggest fear, he says, was failure. I'd never done anything like this before. What if, what if the inmates really wanted to learn and grow and get saved or know Jesus or something like that, and I didn't know how to help them? What if I failed? How would I even measure success? But he looked at that line, he looked at that opportunity, and something inside of him he just felt was God nudging him to step across that line. And they did. Here's a picture of five of those guys who volunteered. There's Rob and Marty, and Mike's the third one in in, in camo, and Vic, and there's some other guys that are in the picture, Jason and Tim and some others, but they signed up. These guys told them when they came to the first study, the only reason we're here is to get two days knocked off our sentence. But after six weeks of being together, studying, those guys, all, all those inmates wanted more. They didn't care about reduced sentences. They cared about increased relationship with God. One of those inmates has already completed the program and he's here released at Mountain and he's being shepherded through his life by one of, the mountain, by one of those guys. And the class was limited to 10 inmates. 56 signed up. You know what? That's what happens when a guy in camo steps across a line. I love what Kimberly Jones is doing. She, she's just a humble little gal. She's just like, you know what? But I, 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 I love painting and art. And what she did is she is courageously stepping forward and beginning a painting and art ministry to kids at Harford Family House, that transitional housing for families here in Harford County who are going through tough issues with homes and um, lots of lines of fear for her. What, you know, what if I don't know what to do or whatever? But she stepped across it and it's thriving and flourishing. It's great. Way to go, Kimberly. My friend Brad had a neighbor and he didn't know if he should ever talk to him about his faith. He finally just invited him to Mountain and now that friend is on an amazing journey with God and I think that's awesome. So does Brad and so does his friend. Chris and JJ, JJ was on staff here. She quit her job in order so she and her husband could become the managers of Indian Lake Camp, our summer camp that we send so many kids to. You can sign up today, but they're taking a flyer. They're stepping out. We can do this. We're going to try it. We can think of what God's calling us to do. It's what love does. Levi Bodden's one of our young adults here in the church. We had a surf fest uh, Saturday, and we had a project that was going to be 50 people going to help 4-H and do some work in Hartford County, and we asked Levi to lead it. And he said in his words, sweet, just let me know. I'm only 19, but I'm up for anything. Way to go. I love the story of Katie Rakestraw and Lindsay Tressler. They're two of our mountain gals here. Um... They became really good friends. They met in a, in a couple's group here at Mountain and uh, discovered how their lives were parallel unknowingly. They worked at the same hospital. They both liked soccer. They both liked sports. They both had kids about the same age and this kind of thing. And they started, they both attended Mountain and they both loved Jesus. And so they just became this sort of friend that each one was praying for. It's one of those rare, special, precious moments in life. 
Um, she says, I asked God for a Christian girlfriend who I could really connect with. And boy, he delivered in a big way. So there they were. There she says, they were just minding her own business in a small group meeting one night when we heard about how there's a lot of people at Mountain who are not yet in groups and there's groups that need leaders. And so we prayed about it as a group that God would raise up someone to step forward and lead a small group for someone else. And after the prayer, I, she caught eyes with her friend and they just mouthed to each other, it's us, it's us. And they knew that God had been preparing them for this next step of ministry. And because God had given each of them a desire to walk alongside some young women as well. Here's a picture of uh, Katie and Lindsay. And as they tell her story, they would start telling the next thing that happened is all the lines of fear and all the walls of fear that began to rise up around them. Immediately they, they had excuses. They, I mean, there's a busy gals. They're both working full time, 40 plus hours every week. They got little kids. They got husbands. They got jobs. They got houses to take care of. There's a hundred reasons why this is a bad idea. Hundred reasons why. What if they ask me a question about the Bible? What if they ask me a question about my past and I'm not perfect? You know, what about all this stuff? Can I handle all this? Is this really right? We prayed about it and thought about it, she says. I love her advice. Here it is. At the end of the day, we surrendered to this truth. When God opens the door and tells you to walk through it, you better get your little tush into the next room. <laughs> Sounds like it could have come right out of the Bible. And boy, uh, they've been so glad they did. Um, they have this small group of women in their life and it's been a great experience for the young ladies and for, the, for these gals as well trusting God through that adventure when you step over a line of fear now you're into a new realm you're stepping out of the boat into the storm yeah Jesus will meet you there but it's a little scary and it's a little exhilarating but it's a better way to live and her advice is this, search where your natural talents are get some serious private time with God ask Him up front and frankly where it is that he's wanting you to lead or, or serve. Write your fears or excuses on a piece of paper because they're less scary when you look at them and you know that God can take care of each one and then go for it. Hmm. Pretty powerful stuff. Sometimes God is going to invite you to step across a line toward a, something you need to do or... A, place you need to go sometimes it might even be toward a person and I think especially don't we struggle with stepping across lines toward people that are unlike us but you know the Christian faith and the nature of Jesus is is meant to draw people together around the love of Christ but that can never happen if we never get outside our little boxes of comfort in our zones of safety am I right you ever feel like sometimes God's just telling you go on go talk to him Go, go on. Has that ever happened to you? Let, let me tell you a story uh, of, of someone that happened to. After the time of Jesus, this is the early church, and they're still finding Jesus leading them forward. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Philip's one of the uh, early guys that hung out with and, and knew Jesus, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Sometimes God's going to talk to you, nudge you, and tell you to go someplace. Are you available? And would you do it if he said? Even if you don't know what you're going to do when you get there. Verse 27, so Philip, he started out, he went. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of 
the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This is a high government official, the CFO of the whole country. His man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, so we know he's a Jew. And remember, the Jews were killing Christians in those days. We know he's an Ethiopian, so he's a, he's a black-skinned Ethiopian. So there's some pretty significant ways that he's different than Philip. And now he's on his way home, sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And God says in verse 29, Philip, go on, go, go, hang, go stand over there. Go, go buy him. Go stand over there. Verse 29, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. I love what verse 29 says. It says, Philip ran. He didn't saunter. He ran over there because he wanted to obey God. And he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you even understand what you're reading, Philip said? And now we've got a conversation happening. Verse 31, well, how can I, he says, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip right up into Chevy Tahoe right there to sit down and have a conversation with him. Isn't that amazing how that happens? Verse 35, Philip began that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Verse 36, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, well, there's some water right there. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? I talked to some people, they were like, do I really have to be baptized? I mean, you know, do I, do I have to? And this guy's like, why wouldn't I? Why can't I? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Both Philip and the eunuch went down in the water. Philip baptized him. And by the way, we're having a baptism splash tonight. If you've never been baptized, you can do what this guy did. Right out here in the commons at 6.30 tonight, just meet me here. And if you need to get baptized, we'll, we'll, have, we'll, we'll let you get baptized. But I hope, you, I hope you get what's going on here. Here's this Ethiopian official who's now a Christ follower because one guy listened to the Spirit of God say, I know he looks different than you. I know he might kill you. <laughs> I know there's a lot you don't know. He might ask you a question. I, I know it. But I want you to go stand there and have a conversation. And Philip did. Because love is greater than fear. It casts out fear and it casts us out past our fear. My friend John Machapi was reflecting on this and he said, in today's racially charged culture, how often do we miss out on what God wants us to do simply because we don't engage in conversations with people who might look different than us so we have a line we stay behind? But God can use these relationships to do incredible things in us, in them, in the world, in the church. If we're present to listen and talk. One of my friends from the Edgewood campus, he's on our staff here, he has another job at ARC, and he said, when I first started working with adults with disabilities, I had some hesitations. I had a lot of fears and preconceived notions. I was so worried that, you know, maybe they wouldn't understand me and I wouldn't know what to do. He says, I wondered if I would really give my heart fully to them. I mean, if I just faked it, would they even know? But as I started working with these different individuals, he says, I just got to know them. All my fears dissipated and all of my preconceived ideas and prejudices about special disability adults went away as they just loved me authentically and without any expectations and preconceived notions. They just wanted me to love them back in the same authentic way. And now he just loves that job and he loves how he's learned to love unconditionally and they eat lunch together three times a week. Because he stepped over the line. I just bet that God's got some line that's out in front of you, maybe of your own making. Maybe it's an interior line of fear. Maybe it's a box of societal expectation. Some rule. 
That just needs to be broken so you can love without fear. One of the ways that I love that this church shows love is like what we did at Easter with our offering. I just said, hey, if you've got extra funds and you're able to give to this Easter offering, we've identified some areas that we think are just right at the heart of God's concern and we're just going to give every dime of it away to these places that are doing great things and you all were so generous and I, one of those concerns and areas is, is refugees all over the world these people who are displaced and homeless and going through this terrible stuff and there's so many and how can we help I'm so thankful for groups like World Relief who are on the job helping empower and change that kind of situation. And so we thought it'd be fun just to welcome uh, a representative, James Meisner, from um, uh, World Relief. So if you'll welcome him today, uh, let's welcome him to come. Welcome. On behalf of Mountain, just thank you for what you guys are doing. You know, I know there's a lot of stuff in the news about refugees and all of that, but what Christians can't avoid is what Christ has called us to do, and so we're grateful for you and what your organization is doing, and uh, we love World Relief for that reason, and so it's my privilege to do one small part for what you're doing, which is a big part, and that is to offer this check to you from the mountain people, from God, through us, to you, in the amount of $20,000 for the sake of refugees. So Thank God you bless so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. It's a real honor and privilege to be here with you, and actually it's quite humbling. I was in the Middle East last month on the border with Syria, can't tell you exactly where, meeting with refugees in the places that they now call home, in uh, apartment buildings that are run down and makeshift structures on the sides of hills, uh, hearing their stories of uh, fleeing, of going through the night, of taking their kids. And I was working with churches, small churches, 30 to 50 people, but that's actually a good size for the Middle East. Uh, hearing their stories of how they're serving 250, 300 refugees every single week, 5x the size of their church. If our churches did that, it'd be absolutely phenomenal. Met one Syrian woman uh, inside of a church who told me the story of her husband being killed in the conflict, losing two children, and she told me something amazing. She said, James, every day when I pray, I thank God for one thing. I say, God, thank you for ISIS. It's because of ISIS that I found the church and the love in the church, and welcoming people who accept me and my family. Uh, she had accepted Christ along this journey. And when I go back there the next time, I'll be able to tell uh, that church and this woman and others like them uh, that there are churches like Mountain in the U.S. that say it doesn't matter our politics, our party, or frankly our preference. We're going to spend ourselves on behalf of those who are suffering and do it in the name of Christ. So thank you so very much. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, I don't know whether you're a rule breaker or a rule keeper in terms of your personality, and it doesn't really matter. But I also know there are some lines of fear that all of us face and that God wants us to step across those lines in the name of love, and I hope that you do. I hope that you do. Let me pray for you. God, we're so grateful for Jesus, and we thank you for his example of incredible barrier-crashing love. He did that to reach us and to love us. I pray that everyone here will feel that love in a fresh way today just by being here, to know of his grace, his love, his healing, his power. And God, we don't just want to soak in it and bask in it. We want to share it. So help us to get past our fear. And help us to live out the truth that perfect love casts out fear. 
Cast us out, Lord, past our fears. In the name of Jesus, amen.